0: Today, we'll be hearing about the Christ, the one who this Christmas season is really all about. Isaiah wrote so long ago in chapter 9 and verse 6 the following words, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We know that this child, this son, was the Lord Jesus Christ himself born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. But he didn't begin his life there. The Bible tells us that he was the creator of all things, the eternal son of God. He was really born. He really died to provide salvation for guilty sinners, and he will ultimately rule the universe as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Let's listen as evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen looks at the marvelous person of the Christ of Christmas, his birth, his cross, and his government. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign.
1: Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was the sign, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Now just over to chapter 9 of the same book and verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace." of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. One final reading in the Gospel of John now, chapter 19. And we're going to read at verse number 16. The Lord Jesus has been condemned to death He stood before Pilate, Pilate has signed the death warrant, he's on his way to the cross. Then delivered he him, therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two other with him on either side one, and Jesus in the midst." I'd like to speak tonight primarily concerning this wonderful man, this wonderful person that we have read of, our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think people get the mistaken notion that uh, becoming a Christian is the idea of a process. Uh, maybe some people think that it's joining a church. Others think, well, if I take the bread and wine or the Eucharist or the Mass or whatever name that various churches give to it, that will do it. Salvation has nothing to do with a process. Salvation has nothing to do with partaking of any uh, traditions or emblems or ordinances. God's salvation is found in a person. And tonight the very focus of this message concerns this wonderful person, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not just a man, though he was a real man. The Lord Jesus is God manifest in flesh, fully God fully man. And you might say, I I don't understand that. Well, the Bible makes it very clear that great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. And tonight we are dealing with the tremendous mystery and yet the tremendous revelation that there was a moment when God himself, through his son, stepped upon planet earth. I want to notice three simple things and yet three wonderful things about this man tonight. I want to notice, first of all, His name, his name. We have read of Isaiah's words, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And his name, his name, brings wonderful truth into view. Secondly, we have read in John chapter 19, He bearing his cross went forth to the place of the skull. So his name, his cross. But that's not the end of it, because back in Isaiah chapter 9, we have read, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. When I think of his name, I I think of the tremendous delight that millions of people have found in our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what he means to you tonight. At this time of year, when we begin to think of Christmas, and we were in the mall today for a brief time, and we heard Christmas carols. I thought to myself, you know, those carols, many of them anyway, give tremendous truth concerning this wonderful person. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And people hear that at this time of year, but it doesn't mean that much to them. But that's exactly what took place 2,000 years ago when the very Son of God, the mighty creator himself, stepped into this creation of his. His name brings tremendous delight. But his cross brought death. And his government, it will bring destinies. There is life, or there is an existence beyond the grave. million years from now, we will be consciously alive either in one of two destinies, two destinations. There is a real heaven, and there's a real hell. You will understand as you look at this picture of this judgment of the great white throne, that there is a day coming when every individual that has died without Christ will one day stand before him. He will be governor. He will be the judge. And yet the Bible says of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That statement boggles my mind. That statement goes beyond my comprehension. But I do understand this. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth its excessive journey run. His kingdom spread from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. There is a man in heaven tonight. He once hung upon a cross. The world turned away and said, that's the end of him. But oh, three days later, up from the grave he arose. And tonight he is both Lord and Savior. I want to ask you, what does he mean to you personally tonight? Not a matter of what church are you a member of. Not a matter even of uh, how well you have lived. Now, we're not certainly downplaying and downgrading moral living. That's the proper thing to do in life. But the real question is, what does the Lord Jesus mean to you personally? Just a name? Just a word? Because we find that when it comes to this wonderful name of Jesus, it's one of the most abused, downtrodden names in this entire world. It's really a a lightning rod for response, isn't it? You mention Jesus, and you will find that the attitude of people change. You mention Jesus, and you will find that there will be a response, there will be a reaction. And some will brighten up as they think of the name Jesus, and they will say he's wonderful. There will be others, and they will use that name as a curse word. He means nothing to them. But when we come to Isaiah, we find that Isaiah was writing of some tremendous truths. In fact, it's interesting that in chapter 8, Isaiah had just named his own personal son. He and his wife had a son. I won't try to pronounce his name. It's a very long name. He named his son in view of the circumstances of the land. The northern kingdom of Israel was heading for some very, very critical crisis moments. They had turned away from God, and the judgment of God is about to fall. The southern nation, the land of Judah, was really facing the very same problem. And so Isaiah named his son in view of the circumstances that were going on at that time. But in chapter 7 and in chapter 9 that we have read of, all of a sudden there came a tremendous prophetic truth into view because Isaiah saw another birth, another one coming, quite unlike his son. And so we have been able to read these words, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You say, that's not rocket science. It might not sound that way. But those words were written 750 to 800 years before the event took place. Isaiah understood that this was not going to be an ordinary child given and a son born. This was going to be unique. This was going to be a visitation from heaven. And as he wrote, he says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God With us. Now understand that up until that time God had spoken to his people. God had moved in the circumstances of life. God had appeared in a variety of ways to his own earthly people through the ages of history at that time. But this had never happened. Emmanuel, God with us. And as Isaiah looked down the road, he didn't understand it would be seven hundred and fifty years. That's a long time, isn't it? And yet he understood that there would come a moment when what he wrote would be absolutely true. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And exactly as Isaiah prophesied, one night, just alongside of Bethlehem, an angel appeared. Shepherds, as we well know, were abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. It's the wonderful Christmas story. And the very first words from those angelic visitors were simply this, "'Fear not! Don't be afraid!' For I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. And in that moment of time, in that moment of history, God stepped into his own creation. Unto us a child is born. Why, you only have to look at the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke to to understand that these two writers trace that truth. Unto us a child is born. Matthew takes us right back to where the wise men came. They came into the house, there was a a young child. How old he was at that point, we're not told, but just a young child. Luke takes us right back to to the place of birth, where he was first laid in a cattle manger, possibly in a little shed, maybe in the open air. We're not told. But in that moment, what those men wrote about was absolutely true. Unto us a child is born, but it says unto us a son is given. And we understand that when we come to John's gospel, he doesn't take us back to Bethlehem, does he? He doesn't speak about the birth of the Lord Jesus. He goes right back to the very beginning. And when we go right back to the very beginning, and we really can't calculate that moment, we find that in the beginning was the Word. He was already there. He didn't start in the beginning. When we could put a stake in the beginning, the Word was already there. The eternal God, the eternal Word, in the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And John tells us so clearly, not only unto us a child is born, but unto us a son is given. And that wonderful gospel verse that we love to quote is absolutely true. God so loved the world that he gave his only Begotten son. What a gift. What a moment. A greater gift has never been given. A greater gift could never be given. In fact, John writes again in first John chapter four, the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. I remember my wife and I received Christmas cards on occasion and I remember one Christmas card. Maybe you received the same one. It went something like this. If our greatest need had been education, God would have sent us a teacher. If our greatest need had been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need would have been laughter, then God would have sent us a comedian. But our greatest need was for forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior, someone to save us. And as Isaiah begins to write about this coming savior, he says, his name, his name. Ever thought about his name? What a tremendous name it is. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Yes, we need to tell you tonight that there was a moment when the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means savior. We need a savior. Tonight, friend, if you're not saved, if your sins have never been forgiven, you need a savior and the only savior. For this entire world is the wonderful person of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Despite the best efforts of man, this world is still a troubled place. We find that religion hasn't, hasn't solved the problems of this world. In fact, there's been more bloodshed over religion. And we're not preaching religion tonight, but there's been more bloodshed over religion than almost any other factor in this world. But there was one man who came. Thank God he came. And he was known and he is known as the Wonderful Counselor. He's the one that holds the very keys of peace and prosperity in a spiritual sense in his hand. He spoke with such authority. He spoke such gracious words. As you read his Sermon on the Mount, it was a sure-proof recipe for a happy, prosperous spiritual life. And yet the Wonderful Counselor has been turned to one side, but all his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. He is known as the Mighty God, the Mighty God. We pride ourselves in living in a big world. I think if we're realistic, we have to acknowledge this world is pretty small. In fact, we're just a little speck of dust, aren't we? in space and it became it became the focus of heaven and the mighty god stepped into this world came to where we were the mighty god has visited us but in the very transient world he is known as the father of eternity we're running out of things aren't we good clean air fresh water oil where i came from or where i lived for many years in newfoundland fish And I'm sure that wherever you're living tonight, you're well aware that this world is changing. We're running out. This is a transient world. And let's face it, we're transient passengers too, aren't we? Our little cup of life is getting less every day. And you know, every single day, our cup of life that started full is being emptied a little at a time. We're just temporary passengers. And yet this wonderful person is known as the Father of Eternity. The future is in his hand. He is known as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. What a wonderful title. And in this world of ours in which there is so little peace, ah, oh, we need this Prince of Peace. Let me ask you tonight, not with regard to the, the affairs of this world, what about your life? Do you have peace? What about your future? Do you have peace? What about the pursuits of life? Do you honestly have peace with God? because that is our greatest need, to know that all is well for eternity. At the right there are individuals in this audience and in this city, in this world, and we have come to know the Prince of Peace. He is the true peacemaker. And despite all the attempts of man to try and forge a peace, nothing has lasted, nothing has continued. At the right, we're living in a world in which there is no peace. And sad to say, in many a home and in many a life, there is no peace. You look ahead and there's just a sense of fear. And maybe you look behind and you realize there are things that that I'm not happy with. And you realize I am guilty and I'm responsible for that. And you might even look at the present. You might ask yourself, what am I doing here anyway? What makes life meaningful for me? And underneath it all is just a great reality. No peace. He is the peacemaker. And friend, not only the peacemaker, but he is the peacekeeper. And he is the peace giver. My peace give I unto you. At tonight, his name, his name brings these wonderful realities into view. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But not only his name tonight, his cross, his cross. There's something noteworthy about John 19 in my mind. It just says, and he bearing his cross went forth to the place of the skull. I have often thought, and maybe I've mentioned this, but I have often thought if that's the only description of that moment, we would have no idea if there was anybody else around. We understand there was one man and he stooped down and he picked up a cross and he bearing his cross went forth to the place of the skull. He walked with majestic dignity. He walked with wonderful obedience. He walked with devotion in his heart. He was going out to die. And yet he did so gladly. Tell me, why did he bear his cross? Ah, tonight we can tell you that the very focus of the gospel message concerns this man and a place called Calvary, because he had come to die. He'd come to die because the wages of sin is death. He had no sin of his own, but willingly, voluntarily, knowingly, sufficiently, he had come to identify with our sin. He'd come to go to a place of a curse. The Bible says cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree, that's put on a cross. And yet willingly he came to bear our sin in his own body upon the tree. And tonight his cross is the very focus of the gospel message. If the Lord Jesus had not gone to Calvary, there would be no salvation. There'd be no savior. He must die for sin. Thank God he was willing to die for sin. It was a voluntary death. It was a sufficient death. And oh, he had you and he had me in mind. Because at that cross, the Lord Jesus took our sin with all of the judgment for our sin. And he took the full impact of the wrath of God's judgment for our sin. There at a place called Calvary. He suffered for sins, the Bible says. Christ also at once suffered for sins, the just one for us the unjust ones, that he might bring us to God. His name means everything to me tonight. His cross means everything to me tonight. And friend, I just want, as I sit down, I want to remind you that his government, his government is real. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue, every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does that mean for you? means that you'll either receive him as your savior and enter through the door. Christ for me, I bow to his lordship. I need him, I will receive him. Or you continue on in life to ultimately meet him as your judge. But every knee is going to bow because the government will be upon his shoulders. I trust tonight that you might not make light of Christ. He's altogether lovely. He desires to be your savior. His name, his cross, his government, this majestic person, you need him tonight. I trust you'll receive
0: him as your Savior. His cross has become the center of all history and is where you will find salvation for your soul. And of course, his government. Christ will reign, my friend. Won't you bow the knee to him now this Christmas as the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Accept God's priceless gift, his only son, as your Savior today and celebrate his birth and come into the blessing of what Christmas is really all about. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point where we believe that in times like these, you need a savior and in times like these, you need an anchor.